0: So what we do here, we've been doing for lots of years. We take a look for this at the suggested instruction for a step or so a week directly out of this book, and we use this book in 12-step recovery. Why? Because Yeah, the process described by the authors of this book has been proven to work for addicts of the hopeless variety, addicts to alcohol and other substances. Fair enough? And so what I try and do is show you how I find my experience in it and encourage you to have your experience with it. And if we both do our job, we share a spiritual experience in the room each night. How many have been here before and witnessed that happens? So for those of you online, they're raising their hand. It's a quiet crowd. You can't hear them much. I don't know what's up with that. I hope to liven them up. But they're perfect. They're, They're raising their hand to signify to you that when we speak of a spiritual experience, we're talking about a tangible sensory experience. You will feel it. When you do, I'll know and I'll call it to your attention. Because we would cheat you to talk to you about the power we call God without giving you a demonstration of the power, fair enough? And if you're a doubter by nature and you're wondering how does your feeling something and me calling it to your attention prove anything about this power we call God, well perhaps it does not. But we have to take some things on faith to get started, right? So if you go to very many, how many of you have been to an AA meeting before? Oh, good, a good percentage of you. So, so it, at most of the AA meetings I've ever been to in numerous decades, I have heard them read a little portion of Chapter 5, and in that they say there is one who has all power, that one is... They say that one is God. God and power are interchangeable in 12-step recovery. And if there's one who has it all and you feel and I know, did we not participate in the oneness? See, one of the problems with running around thinking ourselves agnostic is that it isn't that we don't believe in anything. We just don't believe it can be proven. And the, the fact is, we've been looking in the wrong place. So we're going to prove the power of God to us, through us. And sometimes it helps to have a conduit to share in the Spirit. Fair enough? All right, so tonight we're going to talk about this conscious walk with God. And we're going to start with what some people in our fellowships, if you just do fellowship and you don't do program, you might identify these as the promises. I've even seen them on walls as the 12 promises. And I'd like to point out to you that some drunk did that. (laughs) What they are is the ninth step promises. And this isn't me being legalistic. This is me pointing out to you that the authors are describing states of being, one experiences as they awaken to the new man within. Does that make sense? So... We're on page 83 and we're going to go through that and that way the rest of the instruction in this conscious walk will make sense. You might ask, why are we talking about a conscious walk with a power I don't believe in? We are going to talk about a conscious walk because in two we encountered power, tangible power. In three we outgrew fear by searching inwardly and getting armed with the facts about ourselves. Through four and five I looked at those facts about myself, selfish, dishonest, inconsiderate, full of guilt, shame, remorse. Yes? I shared them with another. I found out the baggage that was out there, the wreckage I'd left for others, and now I've started prosecuting my amends, and I'm, I'm going out and making approaches to people and letting them know that I know I was that man, but I'm now this man, and, and I know I treated you badly, and you didn't deserve it, what can I do to make it right? And then asking the power to empower me to treat them as they specify. Does that make sense? And that gets us to page 83, the bottom of the page. If we're painstaking about this phase of our development, we'll be amazed before we're halfway through. So what phase of our development? I've learned the practices that I'm now gonna become disciplined in. I've learned how to inventory my thoughts. I've learned how to cast aside or own at least my emotion, yes? I've learned that the world is not causing how I think and feel, it's reflecting how I think and feel. And I've learned that I need to go out and subordinate the ego to the spirit so that I can grow, so I can strengthen the spirit. Does that make sense? Okay. So it says we'll be amazed before we're halfway through. We'll be amazed before we're halfway through with what? There's no real right answer or wrong answer. It may be through your first step experience, but it's a manner of living. It's not a workbook exercise. So as you grow in this thing, you'll realize that you're in all the steps all day long, depending on your level of awareness. Yes? Okay. So we're going to know a new freedom and a new happiness. We're going to know a new freedom and a new happiness. What's the word new mean? Unlike anything I've ever experienced before. So this isn't freedom from chemicals although that's unfamiliar to me. No one else was unfamiliar with freedom from chemicals? (laughs) What did I ask for in three? Relieve me of the bondage of self, that I may better do thy will. The new freedom is I am free of these limiting thoughts of me and of you so that I can better serve. Does that make sense? So rather I was atheist, agnostic, or a believer dying in my addiction, I said a prayer, and it has now been answered. Why do I want to know that? Because that's a state of being that I become aware of. That's the state of my awakening. Does that make sense? All right, so it says we'll not regret the past nor wish to shut the door on it. Why not? Sometimes we did harm to people, and we regret that past. Yes? But if I shut the door on it, I left this illness within me. I never got the healing that although the grace sustained me through that trauma, I haven't taken it out to help someone else through their trauma. It is when I help someone else through their trauma that the healing passes through me into them and I receive the healing I need because I offered it to my brother. Does that make sense? So we'll comprehend the word serenity and we will know peace. Comprehend and know. How does one comprehend serenity? If you look in the dictionary, at least a lot of dictionaries, and you look up the word serenity, it will say see serene. In other words, no one's going to explain it to you if you've experienced it. No explanation necessary. And if you haven't experienced it, no explanation possible. Does that make sense? You either know it or you don't. How do you know freedom? How do you know peace? Because when you know, you know. Yes? How many of you didn't know peace for a long time and it was unfamiliar when it started cropping up? And perhaps someone said to you, you should be angry about that. You're going, no, I don't want to. I'm chill. I don't want to be angry about that. And you had that experience? Did you know that was you awakening spiritually? Because we don't always help people understand that. Okay. So, what did I do? I get lost. No matter how far down the scale we've gone, we'll see how our experience can benefit others. Now, again, I've got to be in the manner of living for that to occur, yes? How many of you went pretty far down the scale? I should see a lot more hands in this crowd. What do they mean how far down the scale? Any of you get put in a place you didn't want to be and kept there for longer than you wanted to stay? You don't have to go to prison to have that experience. I was imprisoned in this for a long time. That feeling of uselessness and self-pity will disappear. We'll lose interest in selfish things and gain interest in our fellows. Self-seeking will slip away. Our whole attitude upon and outlook upon life will change. Fear of people and of economic insecurity will leave us. How many of you have had those experiences? How many of you went through great economic insecurity, were in fear through it, and have learned to grow in it? We forget to tell people that, too. Because we think, you know, it's a joke and it's not a joke. It can be paralyzing to be afraid that the gift I got from God is somehow going to be taken from me. Because the reality is, I should be concerned about the giver, not the gift. And so even when I lose something in this realm, I didn't lose anything. It's still mine because it's all his. So, no one can take from us, and at a minimum, you wake up spiritually to none of those things define who I am. Does that make sense? We're battling in the spirit because I can feel it going on. I can feel it going on with you, and you damn sure know what's going on with me. And guess who wins? Jesus. Power. Power. Power wins. Don't make a sucker's bet. If you're the guy that watched Rocky 10 times and kept betting on the wrong guy, I'm telling you, this story has an ending that's known. Okay, all right. So we feel as, uh oh, I'm on the wrong page again. Um, We'll intuitively know how to handle situations which used to baffle us. Okay, so how many of you found that the answers for you were in you? That's the first thing we're supposed to teach you. When you come and tell me, I need your opinion. No, you need your opinion. But I got questions to help you unpack. Because my opinion about your condition is going to have little effect. Does that make sense? Okay. So we'll suddenly realize that God is doing for us what we could not do for ourselves. How many of you have had that sudden revelation? Even if you don't know quite what we're thinking about God, we realize that all of a sudden something's going on. Something was prepared for you that you didn't plan for, yet here it is, yes? Okay. All right, so are these extravagant promises? It's a mixed bag, isn't it? They are a bit extravagant, are they not? Why do you think they call that to our attention? Because people have promised us all kinds of things throughout the course of our life. And we just we dismiss it because it just doesn't seem real. It's too good to be true. Why are they being so nice to me? Why? Are, what, what's the catch? So this is an extravagant promise. But guess what? We serve an extravagant power. A power of abundance. We want you to saturate in abundance. An abundance of freedom. An abundance of every possible spiritual gift. We want you to saturate in it. And we want you to revel in their deliverance because that's what they're talking about. Some of you are feeling me as I'm talking to you about this awareness that all of a sudden I'm in this world but I'm not of this world. Okay? All right. So says they are being fulfilled among us, sometimes quickly, sometimes slowly. They will always materialize if we work for them. I want you to get what they're saying. Half of them were atheists or agnostics, declared. They, they declared that God did not exist or God could not be proven to exist. The other half were religious people dying in their addiction. But every one of them gained access to and believes in a power greater than himself. Does that make sense? Not a concept not a theology a shared experience of redemption does that make sense that's why we don't want to take them off and put them on the wall and call them the promises because that is the ninth step promises as i start making right the wrong subordinate the ego and empower the spirit does it make sense okay good because this thought brings us to step 10 See how he just kinda rolled into it? They wrote an instruction manual and people read it like they can just pull out one-liners. You can't, because it's describing an all-inclusive experience of awakening to the new man or woman within you. Okay, so this thought brings us to step 10, which suggests we continue to take personal inventory and continue to set right any new mistakes as we go along. So if one is to continue, when did they start? Most people probably didn't start learning how to take a personal inventory until someone showed them a suggested format for step four, correct? So they are going to suggest that I continue doing that. What did I learn to inventory in four? Selfishness, dishonesty, resentment, fear all the manifestations of self that are driven by fear, a hundred forms of fear, self-delusion, self-seeking, and self-pity. I step on the toes of my fellows, and they retaliate, and all of a sudden I'm living in a world of chaos. (laughs) Except I created it, because I was, myself was manifesting in response to my loss of identity. But I didn't lose my identity, I just fell asleep to my identity which is why awakening is the goal of 12-step recovery, not abstinence. Abstinence is a byproduct of awakening spiritually. Does that make sense? Okay. All right, so it says we we continue to take personal inventory and continue to set any, write any new mistakes as we go along. So when did we learn to set right new mistakes? In nine, when we learned to set right old mistakes. When does it say we do it? As we go along, because that's where I screw stuff up, is as I go along. (laughs) Starting to make sense now? We vigorously commenced this way of living as we cleaned up the past. So when did they last talk to us about a way of living? Remember that hopeful promise in step four instruction, step three instruction, a chapter called How It Works? And they told us that rarely have we seen a person fail who's thoroughly followed our path. But then they went on to say those who do not recover are naturally incapable of grasping and developing a manner of living which demands rigorous honesty. Now they wouldn't have told us that and how it works if they weren't going to show us precisely what that looked like in end to action. So now they're going to walk us through exactly what the manner of living looks like So that we can start growing in the spirit. Capturing, take captive the thought. Yes? Experience the emotion without assigning blame for it to an outside force. Does that make sense? All right. So it says we have entered the world of the spirit. So what's it like to have entered the world of the spirit? You know why I told you don't hang the promises on the wall and call them the promises? Because what it's like to enter the world of the Spirit is to awaken to the world I really live in versus the one I thought I lived in. And I don't regret the past and I wish to shut the door on it. The feeling of uselessness has disappeared. I know a new freedom and a new happiness. Does that make sense? Some of you are feeling that. So the promises just came alive for you. Right? Why do I want to stay awake? Because I love that stuff. I've always been a junkie. That didn't change. I just changed source. I got off synthetics and got on the real juice. Our next function is to grow in understanding and effectiveness. So understanding of what, effectiveness at what. There's no right or wrong. I just like everyone to contemplate what they're saying because every word has purpose, okay? Grow in understanding. That is my next function. How many of you brand new as you went through the process and learned something of addiction, learned that perhaps you've been sick and not just flawed in some way? How many of you, when someone sat down at no cost to you and helped you unpack, learned something about Selfless help from another. Something about what a human capability that we really didn't know existed. How many of you, when you got pointed to the experience of the flow of the Spirit as you sat in non-judgment and you just realized that that thing going on in you that had you all electrified really was the signature of the Spirit that had evaded you? Some of you felt that. So you grew an understanding of you other humans and the power we call God. Now, I need to get effective in the distribution of that power. Does that make sense? Okay, so that would all be logical. See, if people can't make logical sense out of a path to grow in conscious relationship with the Creator, they don't know what they're talking about or you're not listening because it's very simple, right? It's very simple. It's logical. You cannot move into a conscious relation without consciously deciding to do it. That's why God gave you a mind to use. Yes? Okay. All right. So, it says this is not an overnight matter. How many of you were a little disappointed to discover that sometimes there's highs and sometimes there's lows? That's why there's promises for hills and for valleys. And the promises are for when you're not walking in the experience of God. Because you don't need a promise when you're walking in the experience. You need a promise when you can't feel anything and you feel alone. You need to know that the promise is you're never alone. Does that make sense? Okay. So it says it should continue for our lifetime. Continue to watch for selfishness, dishonesty, resentment, and fear. So if I'm going to continue, when did I start? John's not here tonight to yell for, but we've had an ongoing argument for a decade or more about that. I was always very good, before I ever heard of Alcoholics Anonymous or any of this, I was particularly good at spotting selfishness, dishonesty, resentment, and fear in you. But I didn't know that what I was really seeing was my thoughts about you and not you at all. And four, taught me to separate human behavior from human beings by looking at how I look through the lens of my thoughts. Does that make sense? So they want me to continue doing what I've always done, but they've got more practices for me. They're going to talk to me about the practices. You know, I'm going to practice these principles in all my affairs. We're about to talk about them. It's not that long list Bill wrote later because he needed money. I'm not mad at anybody for needing money. we got all kinds of hustles running around here, right? But remember, it's just a freaking hustle. The practices are in here. That other book was written 15 years later. They wouldn't have written, practice these principles in all my affairs if I had to wait 15 fucking years to get the answer. So, we better dive in, hadn't we? All right, so continue to watch for selfishness, dishonesty, resentment, and fear. When these crop up, we ask God at once to remove them. When I say God, you say? Power. Where's the power found? So I am going to ask God to remove these thoughts. How can you see the speck in your brother's eye when you can't see the plank in your own eye? Better you should remove the plank from your eye so you can better see to help your brother. The plank in my eye is my limited perspective of the situation. I was sent there to serve, not to judge. Does that make sense? Okay. We discuss them with someone immediately and make amends quickly. If we've harmed anyone, then we resolutely turn our thoughts to someone we can help. Notice how they said, turn my thoughts to someone I can help. Did you notice in the steps, if you've ever read them, there is nothing there that indicates that I can help me? I can easily see what you need when I can't see what I need because I have an appalling lack of perspective. But if I will make a request of God to give to me what I can see that you need, the gift will flow through me. And guess what? That's how we enter God's rest. You get more power than you need. We're community. We're supposed to be serving, not gathering unto self. Does that make sense? Okay. Is it all keeping, making sense? So the principles we practice in all our affairs are watch, ask, discuss, turn. It's so important you know that. It's not a long list that came from evangelical movements or Anglican movements or whatever they did to sell books. It's simple, on-the-fly discipline of watching my thoughts, owning my emotion, turning my thoughts to someone else, admitting promptly I'm wrong. Get in the manner of living. Does that make sense? Okay. All right. If you want to know, that's page 84. And that's where they tell you the principles we practice in all our affairs. And then they're going to get more detailed as they go. All right. So it says love and tolerance of others is our code. Love what? Tolerate what? Love the people, tolerate the symptoms of their malady, just as I hope you'll tolerate the symptoms of my malady when it manifests, and it will manifest. Because guess what? They didn't cure me of my human condition. Any of you ever have a little human squared out in an inopportune moment? <laughs> so now they're going to give us another set of promises, and we have ceased fighting anything or anyone, even alcohol. For by this time, sanity will have returned. So in two, I was just hoping for that. How many of you have had the experience of trying to fight alcohol, cocaine, methamphetamine, heroin, fentanyl, whatever, whatever gets you to your knees? You've had the experience of it? How did it work? We're fighting with illusions. Guys, we've told people forever, you're going to do the steps, you're going to get power to not pick up. Bullshit. doesn't take any power to not do. I need power to live. I got a power in me that wants me dead. If I don't maintain my spiritual condition, it will win. I've proven it. Anyone else here, real believers? Absolutely. That much I know. Right? I'm feeling you guys, too. So somebody's somebody's getting rocketed. Okay? All right, so by this time, sanity will have returned. We'll be, will seldom be interested in liquor if tempted, will recoil from it as from a hot flame. How many of you understand what they're telling you about the experience of being repulsed by alcohol, drugs, when you were drawn like a magnet to them prior? If you've ever touched a hot flame or touched something hot, no one had to warn you, that's hot. You should lift your hand up. Don't pick up no matter what. Fuck, that's hot, right? If that's not your experience, we need to get you encountered to power. Because the power and the purpose, when you look inside, when you discover your purpose, the power to carry it out is immediately present. And once you're walking in power and purpose, none of those synthetics of the world are going to hold a candle to it. And if you don't believe me, how many of you, how many of you were drinkers, any drinkers? Did you notice when you were drinking, you did not care to eat? Why? Because you did not want to wreck the buzz. I do not eat of the world of things that would block my consciousness of this presence because I do not want to wreck the buzz. Does that make sense? All right, so it says that we react sanely and normally and we will find that this has happened automatically. We'll see that our new attitude toward liquor has been given us without any thought or effort on our part. It just comes. See, I'm not fighting it, neither am I avoiding temptation, right? It just comes because I no longer need to anesthetize because I've been liberated in the Spirit. That's the miracle of it. We're not fighting it, neither are we avoiding temptation. We feel as though we've been placed in a position of neutrality, safe and protected. Do you know why? This is called position of neutrality, and you're sitting smack in the middle of new freedom. Because everything here is intentional. We hope you're safe. If you don't feel safe, you're not safe. Talk to us. Okay. We've not even sworn off. Instead, the problem has been removed. What's the problem? Selfishness, dishonesty, resentment, fear, guilt, shame, remorse. All these fear-driven manifestations, those problems have been removed. Does that make sense? That is our experience. That's how we react so long as we keep in fit spiritual condition. So what are they promising there? If I don't grow in the discipline, if I do not continue to grow spiritually, the insanity will return. We don't tell people that either. That's why this isn't a workbook exercise, guys. It is a manner of living. I've got to awaken to the spirit and then spend all my energy trying to stay awake in order to serve. Not because I'm a good man, but because I'm hoping to grow into a better man. Does that make sense? Okay. So how would I know if I were in a fit spiritual condition? You might go back to this page and read the first promise. Am I fighting anything or anyone? Because if you're fighting anything or anyone, there's something the matter with your spiritual status. Check in. Does it make sense? You're fighting with illusions, yes? Okay, all right, it's easy to let up on the spiritual program of action and rest on our laurels. What's that mean? How many of you got your chip? It had digits on it. You just could go pontificate once a week. <laughs> and then one day you stood up and said, Hi, my name's Joe. I'm an alcoholic. I got 22 hours. That's right, yeah. Have you ever had that experience? So I didn't do anything wrong. I just went to sleep. But when I'm in a slumber, then. The world of the spirit is not. The attacks of the mind come. Any of you realize that we live in a spiritual realm? We've entered the world of the spirit. The fact is we've always been in the world of the spirit. We were just unaware. Okay. So we're headed for trouble. If we do for alcohol, it's a subtle foe. We're not cured of alcoholism. What we really have is a daily reprieve contingent on the maintenance of our spiritual condition. So what is a reprieve? day of sentence, day of execution. Yes? Each day is a day we must carry the vision of God's will into all of our activities. Which ones? All of them? I figure you know, I let him deal with my addiction, the rest of the shit I can deal on my own, right? I've got to carry the vision of God's will into all my activities. What's God's will? Yeah, I mean, wherever I've been placed, I'm in the middle of God's will because it has no opposite. Now, I may need to awaken. I may need to do anything because I may need to be a change agent. But the reality is, whatever's going on, so what's it showing me? Does it make sense? So they're going to talk about a prayer. How can I best serve thee? Thy will, not mine, be done. Notice the not mine, if you're in your book. Is in parentheses. You ever wondered why they did that? Because it's pure illusion. There is no will apart from God. There's God's will and my opposition to it. Right? God didn't want my will. He knew I needed it in order to carry out his purpose. What's God's purpose? For his kids? He so loved the world that he sent his only begotten son... I've been adopted into sonship. So what's my purpose? Salvation. But I can't do my own salvation. I can only announce yours. Does that make sense? As instruments. If any of you are students of the Bible, Jesus said, if you love me, feed my sheep. These are thoughts which must go with us constantly. In other words... What are you showing me? What are you showing me? What are you showing me all day as I go along constantly? The same way my mind attacks. Does that make sense? Okay. We can exercise our willpower along this line all we wish. It's the proper use of the will. What is the proper use of the will? Subordinate my ego and empower the spirit all day as I go along. The world is going to continue to lie and to tempt To steal, kill, and destroy, because that is its assignment. What is my assignment? Discipline my thought. Take captive that thought. Experience that emotion. And tell everyone I encounter about the redemption experience that's come near to them. Does that make sense? Much has already been said about receiving strength, inspiration, and direction from him who has all knowledge and power. When did they, they said much has already been said. What did they tell us in step two when we encountered power? Power, peace, happiness, a sense of direction flowed into us, they said. Doesn't sound like a light bulb or a doorknob. or. Sounds like I tapped into some real stuff, doesn't it? This isn't my story. This is their story. But I'm telling you, I'm living their story. You know why? Because the path is the power. There's a process and there's a power. And guess what? The power is the path and the process and the offering. Just got to know all that, right? All right. So... Much has already been said about receiving strength, inspiration, and direction from him who has all knowledge and power. If we have carefully followed directions, condition. If we have carefully followed directions, do we not owe every man and woman we encounter that wants to have this step experience to take them through this, explain to them who we is, the difference between fellowship and program, and then tell us that... Don't add a word, don't take from it. This is the revelation of God in them. And if we want that revelation in us, we don't change revelation. There's a consequence to it. Does that make sense? So it says to some extent, if we follow directions, we begin to sense the flow of his spirit into us. To some extent, we become God conscious, power conscious the awareness of being aware, of walking in power. How many of you have had that awareness? How many of you had that awareness in here tonight? If you can feel me without understanding me, you already have the power. We're only going to wake you up. And if you made it here, I didn't get sent here to treat hangnails. I got sent here because the great physician want you, awakened, and serving. We've begun to develop this vital sixth sense. What is the vital sixth sense? God consciousness, the awareness of being aware of this power we call God in and on my life. It's vital. I needed a power to live, right? If we were to find a power, if we were to live, we had to be free of self. We needed a power to live. They kept talking about that. This is the power to live, God consciousness. Does that make sense? Okay, But we must go further, and that means more action. Step 11 suggests prayer and meditation. We shouldn't be shy on this matter of prayer. Better men than we are using it constantly. It works if we have the proper attitude and work at it. So they wouldn't have said that if they hadn't told us something about what they had experienced the proper attitude to be. So what was the proper attitude? Honestly, want to, willing to make the effort. Back to why it's so important we not lie to people, we not shade it, we don't change it, we just tell them the truth. What did Ebby say to Bill? Bill's sitting there drunk and drinking in his kitchen. Ebby can't possibly be sober. He's that guy. He's that guy in our addiction, and at least I'm not that bad yet. But there he is, sitting there sober, and Bill's expecting a sermon, and he got no sermon. He just calmly said, I've got religion. And Bill went, oh, no. (laughs) But he didn't behave like a religious guy. He behaved like a redeemed guy. And he went through the whole story, and then Bill started having revelations, still drunk and drinking. Yet Bill did recover, and he did write most of this book, and and whether you know it or not, he wrote most of this book prophetically. He'd wake up in the middle of the night and scribble things down because it would come to him. And if you think it's an accident that I'm tying you back to biblical reference, not an accident. They studied the Bible for four years before he had those revelations. And they used, God used Bill, the famous atheist agnostic, in order to carry the message to those who doubt. Does that make sense? God's been known to do that. There's another guy that was persecuting people. And on the road to Damascus, he had an encounter. He had his eyes opened. Sort of what happens to us in four and five. And then you get an idea what your life looks like. And then you know, holy shit, I'm going to need power to walk in. All right. All right. So, okay. So, it works if we have the proper attitude and work at it. It'd be easy to be vague about this matter. I don't think we've been vague here tonight. And we're going to continue not being vague, so bear with me. We're going to get down to, we're going to try and push away the deception and just look at what they're talking about, walking awakened in the world, okay? Yet we believe we can make some definite and valuable suggestions. When we retire at night, we constructively review our day. So it starts in the very beginning because we all have to walk it out. We have a chapter into action. They don't have a chapter into thinking. Why? Why? because we've already tried to think our way into better acting and it didn't work. So we act our way into better thinking, which means it's going to take some time for this to play out. Any of you discover that? Okay, so initially what we're gonna do is when we retire at night, we're gonna constructively review our day. What was I doing all day constantly as I went along? Watching for selfishness, dishonesty, resentment, and fear when these crop up, I ask it once to remove them. I know I didn't do that, or I wouldn't be here so damn disturbed tonight but I got to start somewhere, so we're gonna start with that discipline. Eventually, every time I think the world caused how I think or feel, I just fell into slumber. I just go back into discipline. Does that make sense? Okay, were we resentful, selfish, dishonest, or afraid? Same thing as I was supposed to look for all day, and I fell into slumber. Any of you ever fall into slumber? Do we owe an apology? Have we kept something to ourselves, which should be discussed with another person at once? Notice how they're taking me right back through the practices of the earlier steps. Look, if I'm still wrestling with this and I can't find my part, perhaps I'm going to need to talk to another person. Without judgment, they can help me walk through. They can separate themselves from my circumstance and help me find my part. And guys, if you're suffering, you have an attachment to it somewhere. Even if you don't have any part in the hurt, the thought is what's hurting you now not the action so what's tethering you to it okay I, I suggest it's egoic I shouldn't have been treated that way yes but how should I be treated as one of God's kids remember when they hate you they hated me first he said anyway I got to grow in the spirit guys the point is this is how you do it. You walk consciously. How many of you had a disturbing day today? Raise your hands. Or at least in a disturbing moment. So this would be a handy little trick to know because that moment can become a day in a hurry, can it? Okay. All right. So have we kept something to ourselves which should be discussed with another person at once? How many of you have grown in the spirit knew when you had something you couldn't wrestle with and you just called? My friend Dalton sent me a message today. Wrestling with something can't can't deal with it. I'm just going to leave this man a message. I listened to the whole message. I just didn't call him back because you know, I knew I was going to see him later. (laughs) Sometimes all we got to do is voice it, right? You're attacking me. You can't have my increase. That's what I say to the world. You can't have my blessing. You can't have my peace. I suggest that all of you Get disciplined in your thoughts, and every time that comes on you, speak it into existence. You can't have my increase. You can't have my blessing. You can't have my peace. Because that is my inheritance. Does that make sense? Okay, what could we have done better? Were we thinking of ourselves most of the time, or were we thinking of what we could do for others, what we could pack into the stream of life? But we must be careful not to drift into worry, remorse, or morbid reflection, for that would diminish our usefulness to others. After making our review, we ask God's forgiveness and inquire what corrective measures should be taken. So I've made my review in the nighttime, and then I ask God for forgiveness. There's a lot of people, if they're coming here and they don't understand what we're talking about when we talk about God, we're talking about the subject of my experience, not the object of my belief. Why do I want God's forgiveness? I just want my forgiveness. Okay, humans are shitty at forgiveness, that's why. (laughs) Humans forgive, but they don't forget. When you receive divine forgiveness, the memory of the suffering is either entirely removed or made different in your mind. Does that make sense? Okay, so I want God's forgiveness... Because that, too, is power. Because in my urgency to get God's forgiveness, I serve. And in serving, I encounter people that have conditions that I've been pulled through. And as I bear witness to the power that pulled me through that, whatever healing still remains needed for me will flow through me into the new man. Does that make sense? And pretty soon I don't regret the past nor wish to shut the door on it. Bring it on, because I can tell you this progressive victory that's been going on for years and years and years. And in this room there's a massive progressive victory, that I know. You guys have been through more than more than many, many. And yet here you are. And you're loved. We're trying to replicate that for you. Okay. So it says that we're going to ask for what corrective measures should be taken, and then then it goes right to on awakening. So what happened in between my request and my awakening? I may have been in slumber. I may have received some downloads. Any of you ever get Revelation? Whether you're asleep at night and get revelation and wake up and all of a sudden you had something profound that you needed to do something with. The same thing can happen if you're daydreaming, if you're walking around awake pretending you're awake but you're really asleep, you ever had that happen? You guys with wives, it's usually when the first sentence you hear is, you're not listening to me, are you? You're thinking, what a weird way to start a conversation. No one's ever been that guy, huh? (laughs) On awakening, let us think about the 24 hours ahead. We consider our plans for the day. Before we begin, we ask God to direct our thinking, especially asking that it be divorced from self-pity, dishonest, or self-seeking motives. So those of you that don't like these and thous and overly prayerful stuff, as you go into situations that used to bother you, God, please direct my thinking, especially that it be divorced, to self-pity, dishonest, or self-seeking motive. Say it many times each day. If every time you go in Circle K, the liquor cabinet calls you, say it as you go in. If every time you go into whatever, the parole office, you get a case that God direct my thinking, especially to be divorced, to self-pity, dishonest, you will grow in the spirit because you'll find yourself at peace not because of anything you did, but because you asked and you focused on maintaining your peace. Does that make sense? Okay. Under these conditions, we can employ our mental faculties with assurance, for after all, God gave us brains to use. This is where they're telling us that the brain, the human mind, is a tool. But it's a powerful tool. So either you awaken to the spirit, who is the driver of the tool, or you slumber in the spirit and you're the tool of the mind. Does that make sense? Okay. So, it would be better to be awake than be running around a tool of my mind, wouldn't it? And most of us have had that experience. How many of you have seen conspiracies everywhere? Reminds me of a song. It may look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you. don't don't freak out all right so (laughs) on awakening let us think about 24 hours ahead we consider our plans for the day before we begin we ask god to direct our thinking especially asking to be divorced from self-pity dishonest or self-seeking motives under these conditions we can employ our mental faculties with assurance for after all god gave us brains to use so that's a promise and a condition, yes? Under these conditions, I can employ my mental faculties. If you ever want, I don't know whether I can think for myself. I want you to think for me. No, nope, the answers for you are in you. Let's, let's clear your thoughts and then let's unpack, yes? Okay, our thought life will be placed on a much higher plane when our thinking is cleared of wrong motives. We live out our entire life and our thought life, even though we think we live in a spiritual plane we or rather a physical plane we don't. We live in a spiritual plane. So everything is about perspective. Does it make sense? So you wanna that's why you don't think you age when everyone around you ages, right? That's why you (laughs) there's only a few of us old people around here, I guess. Okay. So In thinking about our day, we may face indecision. So now they're talking to you just what that conscious walk looks like. Any of you thinking about your day face indecision? Okay, you want to know what they do about it? Because they're the we, we ain't. Okay, all right, so we may not be able to determine which course to take. How many of you have had more than one option? How many of you have discovered having more than one option isn't always such a good thing? can be confusing, can it? So what they say they do when they discover they're confused with their options, because remember, our self-manifests when I'm driven by fear. So if I get afraid of making the wrong choice or whatever, then I can be driven in a direction for the wrong motive. You ever do that? How many of you have gotten running around with people that you knew pretty quick that probably weren't the kind of people you ought to be hanging with where you're wanting to go? But you knew if you behaved like where you wanted to go, they weren't going to like you. So you started pretending to be like them when you wanted to be like... And then they still didn't like you because they knew you weren't really that. And now you didn't like you. Might as well go get high. Many of you ever been in that insanity? Okay. So... In thinking about our day, we may face indecision. We may not be able to determine which course to take. Here, we ask God for inspiration, an intuitive thought or decision. So they not only told you what they did, what they do, God, inspire me. And then they waited for the answer in the form of an intuitive thought or decision. Have you ever got the right answer and then had to run it back down one more time just to make sure you got it? Maybe it didn't meet your specification, or maybe it sounded too easy. How many of you just started acting in a direction when you were paralyzed before? That's what a decision looks like. A decision isn't an intellectual thing, it's an action thing. Right? We talked about it. Three frogs on a log, one makes a decision to jump. How many frogs are there? Three, because all he did was make a decision, he didn't jump. No evidence of a decision made. So if you're moving in an intuitive thought or decision, now you're listening to the inner voice. Does that make sense? You're walking in power. Okay. We relax and take it easy. We don't struggle. We're often surprised how the right answers come after we've tried this for a while. Does it sound like you've got to practice? That's why they said practice these principles in all our affairs. Watch without judgment. Ask for direction. Make amends promptly. Turn my thoughts to who I'm there to serve. Yes? All day as I go along. What used to be the hunch or occasional inspiration gradually becomes a working part of the mind. Being still experience and having just made conscious contact with God, it's not probable we're going to be inspired at all times. Why'd they tell us that? Because as a class, we are people that want to be inspired at all times. My addiction proved that. Any of you like to be inspired at all times? (laughs) We might pay for this presumption in all sorts of absurd actions and ideas. How many of you started moving in the spirit and felt a little absurd? How many of you were concerned about how absurd you looked in your active addiction? When you're walking around dead, you don't care how absurd you look. Guess what? When you woke up to this power, you were similarly dead, but now you really know what it is to live. So what do you care what it looks like? How many of you had dinner plans? And then the phone rang. Old John said, hey, man, I'm down here in the slope under a bush. I think I'm ready to go to detox. You think you can get me a ride? Dude, I was going to go to dinner. So, guys, I was going to go to dinner, and I knew I said I was paying, but I got to go get John. He's on the slope under a bush. Anyone know what I'm talking about? You know why I got to do that, right? Because I'm going to be shitty company at dinner if I know John's under a bush. So I'm doing them a service and him a service, but to the world that doesn't know my life, That's absurd. I'll complain all the way to John, <laughs> and I'll sing God's praises all the way home because He let me see yet another redemption. Does that make sense? Some of you felt that. Some of you have gone on. The- okay, so. Nevertheless, we find that our thinking will, as time passes, be more and more on the plane of inspiration. We come to rely upon it. That's a promise that should be on all the walls. Inspiration from within, in spiritus. We come to rely on inspiration as we walk in our thought life through the spiritual plane. Eyesight without insight is spiritual blindness. Don't walk around in the world blind. It's a dangerous place unless you know who you are and whose you are. We usually conclude the period of meditation with a prayer that we be shown all through the day what our next step is to be, that we be given whatever we need to take care of such problems. We ask especially for freedom from self-will and are careful to make no requests for ourselves only. We may ask for ourselves, however, if others will be helped. We're careful never to pray for our own selfish ends. Many of us have wasted a lot of time doing that. It doesn't work. You can easily see why. I want to point out to you, because if you don't know why, you can so easily see why, you wouldn't know it if you hadn't entered the manner of living. At times in my life, I prayed for my circumstances to be removed because they were difficult. What I've learned as I've awakened in the spirit is the spiritual warfare goes on all the time. What I need is the power to move through the circumstance. Because that circumstance is preparing me for where I'm going. And I don't want to get there and be ill-prepared. Does that make sense? Okay. So I'm going to jump from there to the bottom of the page. It says, as we go through the day, we pause when agitated or doubtful and ask for the right thought or action. We constantly remind ourselves that we're no longer running the show, humbly saying to ourselves many times each day, thy will be done. Notice the not mine is gone. When you are awakened, having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, I am now sufficiently awakened to walk out in the world armed with the facts to serve. So there is no will, my will and God's will. There's God's will and my disagreement with it. So I'm getting sent to a dark place to pull people out because I'm specifically armed to do that. And so I'm going to need to go in power with power. Does that make sense? That's it. I've, I've rambled enough. Thanks.